Amen. Take out your Bible this morning and turn with me to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12. I hope you find your place there and I'll join you in just a moment. Go ahead and find your Bible, Romans chapter 12. Well, man, we've been in a lot of series this year so far. Uh, How many of you were with us early in the year when we went through our series on what is the church? Can I see your hand? You remember we talked about what kind of a church we ought to be and we were reminding ourselves of the mission of our church and and this morning I want to take just a moment to pause and do just that. I trust you have a bulletin with you. If you need to look, you can look on the back side of your bulletin. There's a place for sermon notes, a place for you to fill in uh, along the morning, but at the very bottom of that you'll see there's our mission statement as a church, this is a kind of a revised mission statement uh, that we put together early this year and, and something I want to keep before us as we remember uh, why God has us here and the kind of church that we ought to be. I'm going to read our statement and then you, you read it with me. If you need a look on your bulletin, you can see that. But, but we glorify God by developing disciples who love God, love people, and influence the world with the hope of the gospel. That's what we're endeavoring to do here at Catawba, is that in everything we do, that God might be glorified and that we remember that the great commission that has been given to the church is our mandate. That is what God has entrusted each of us as his followers to do and be involved with is to develop disciples, um, people who love God and who love others and who influence the world with the hope of the gospel. So, I know we've said this from time to time. Would you say it with me? We're going to lift up our voice and say our mission statement as a church together. Here we go. We glorify God by developing disciples who love God, love people, and influence the world with the hope of the gospel. Man, that was weak. That was like terribly weak. All right. If you need to look at it, it's not going to be overhead. It's on your bulletin. I hope you have a bulletin this morning on the back side of your bulletin. On the very bottom, you can find it, all right? We're going to try and say that again because I, I don't know if that was about a third of us that were kind of like working through that, all right? Hey, this is, this is what we affirm. This is what we believe as a church as to why we are here. Will you say it with me again? Here we go. We glorify God by developing disciples who love God, love people, and influence the world with the hope of the gospel. Like, that's what we're all about, you know, and so we've talked about that this year of what it looks like to be the kind of church that God wants us to be, and we talked about our values and things that, 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 that shape our identity here at this place and, and this local assembly, and then over the last few weeks, and I know it's been interrupted back and forth as we've had different things on the calendar, but we've been working through a series entitled Another Helper. Uh, understanding the role of the Holy Spirit. How many of you have been blessed and encouraged? Maybe there's something about the ministry of the Holy Spirit that that God's used through this time, and it's just reinforced some things in your own personal walk. Can I see your hand? How many of you has been a help to you? I praise the Lord for that. Because I, I, I hope that we better understand who the Spirit of God is and the role that he has in each of our lives. And so this morning, we're gonna be considering another one of those present ministries of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church, and that is simply the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Can I ask you a question this morning? I want you to think back in your life and to consider with me, what was your most memorable Christmas gift? You remember what it was? Just take a moment. For some of us, it's quite a few moments, all right? Peruse back through time, and I want you to think about your most memorable Christmas. 
the most memorable Christmas because of the Christmas gift that you got. All right, I want you to commit to it. I want you to commit to it so much that you turn and you tell your neighbor what it was that you got that made it so memorable. On your mark, get set, go. You got 20 seconds. Ten seconds. Most memorable Christmas gift. Megan, it looks like you have one this morning. What was your most memorable Christmas gift? Can I hear it? Say it louder. I can't hear you. Man, you got to say it louder. I think the air conditioners are burning this morning. There you go. I don't even know what that is. How many of you know what that is, though? How many of you know what she's talking about? I, I have no clue. It must have been great in your generation, though. All right? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. I love you. I love you. So, some of you are like, that's still relevant. All right? I, I just, I don't know. Uh, give, give me another one. Give me another one. Most memorable Christmas gift that you received. Someone tell me. Jeremiah, most memorable Christmas gift. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Spending it with family. That's great. That's memorable. Emily, most memorable Christmas gift? Stephen proposed to you. Oh, man, yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. Wow, wow. Well, okay, well, mine doesn't really level. Like, yours are really emotional, except for whatever the CD thing was. But, but mine, mine was, mine is a, uh, I was an 11-year-old. I think I was 11 or 12. I really can't remember the age, but... The Nintendo 64 had just come out. How many of you know what the Nintendo 64 is? Uh, that's what started Mario Kart and Super Smash Brothers. And uh, I got that. I'm not telling you. I, I, I had wanted one for months. Like, I had been in Toys R Us playing one, talking about it. But I knew the price of the gift was definitely more than mom and dad typically spent around the holiday season, you know. And, and Santa, I don't know what Santa was going to do, but he was going to do something too. And so I... I uh, I, I, I remember asking for this Nintendo 64. I'll never forget Christmas morning, and I remembered this big box under the tree. And you know, how many of you know by the box, you know kind of what it was? And I kind of had this inclination. I mean, I ripped that thing open, and I was so excited. I, I, I spent the rest of that day using that Nintendo 64. I, I spent much of my high school, sadly, uh, playing that Nintendo 64. And, and I held on to it for years, and I started to accumulate other Nintendo systems. And, uh, and, and, and this the other day, I went to go sell one of my old systems, and we were trying to clean out the basement. And Jessica says, hey, just throw it, you know, a marketplace. So I just named I was like, this old thing's probably not worth my, you know, I threw a price on it, put it online. Boom, within five seconds, it was like someone wanted it. I told Jessica, I said, I done messed up. That thing was worth way more than I anticipated. But I have so many memories around the Nintendo 64 and, and over the years playing that game. It was, a, it was a Christmas gift that I had so wanted. And, and, and what was so special about anything that we receive around the Christmas time is, you know, whether whatever kind of a gift it is, that, that there's an excitement, isn't there, that comes around the holiday season and Christmas, and all of us like receiving a gift. I, I don't know, I haven't met a person yet that doesn't like to receive a gift. But you know, this morning, we're going to turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 12, and we're going to consider a gift that God has given to his church. And just like a child would have an excitement on Christmas morning, rushing in 
to the living room to look under the tree to find a gift that has their name on it and to open that gift that has been given for them. I think as a follower of Christ, you and I should have more excitement, more anticipation of the gift that God has given to you and the gift that he's given to me to minister to his body. You see, what do we believe what the Bible teaches is that the Bible teaches very clearly that every follower of Christ has been given a gift. If, if you're a born-again follower of Christ this morning, God has given you a gift. I don't know if you realize that or not before you came to church this morning, but God has given you a gift, and he wants you to unpack it. He wants you to unwrap it. He wants you to discover what it is he has gifted you so that you might use that to bless his body, to build up his church. You realize that God in his nature is one who gives. God is a giver, and the Bible tells us that he loves to give good gifts to his children. The Bible says that all the things that you and I have in life have come down through the Father of lights. Uh, They've been given as gifts from God. And so what I want you to understand this morning, and maybe you've not really thought a lot about this, but but more than the physical and tangible gifts that you've received in your life, do you realize that God himself has given you a gift? And he's given you that gift at the moment of salvation. It It is a spiritual gift. Notice you've opened your Bibles, Romans chapter 12. If you just look down, you'll see in verse six how Paul begins the conversation. He says, then having gifts that differ. You see, Paul is talking about the gifts that have been given to the body of Christ, but already in this passage, we discover a few things. We discover that, that these are, are differing gifts. So the Bible is actually going to talk about some different gifts, that, that, that you've been given a gift, and I've been given a gift, and if you're a follower of Christ this morning, you're a born-again child of God, God's Spirit has given you a gift. And it's our responsibility that we know what that is, that we live our life to use it in a way that would bless his church. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to read Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Begin in verse 1. Follow along with me as we read the Bible together. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. We'll read down through verse 8. Notice how Paul describes these things to the church. He says, I... I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And Do not be conformed to this world, but, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another." Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, 
If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, and the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Paul is describing to the church that they have been given these gifts. So he says to them in verse 6, let us use them. Let us use them. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you this morning that you're a God who gives. We're thankful to know that every good thing in our life, that Lord, you are the source of it. That God, you are behind anything that is truly good. And God, in your great love for your church, you've given us gifts that would bless and encourage and build up your body. Lord, I pray this morning that each one of us would consider our own life and the part that we play in this greater body and, and, and understand, Lord, not just what you've given to us, but God, that we would learn how to use it in a way that would please you, a, a way that would benefit your body, a way that, Lord, at the end of our life, we'd look back and we'd say, I contributed in a meaningful way through my service, through the way that God has given me, and it's, and it's blessed people, it's, it's built people up. And so, God, we pray that you would help us this morning to consider each of our lives in relation to these verses. We pray it in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. You can be seated. I'm not going to take a long time this morning to go through a whole explanation of spiritual gifts because we've looked at this so much, actually, over the last few years in the life of our church. But let me review a few things that we've learned over the years as a church. And, and if, if you're with us for the first time this morning, this may be new to you, but, but this morning there's so many places in the Bible that talk about spiritual gifts. In Romans 12, and 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4, there's a, there's a number of other places that unpack for us the teaching on spiritual gifts. Now, what does the Bible say? You know, I think sadly, a lot of us have grown up in a church that, whether or not it was here or another place, sometimes, uh, I think through this whole series of the Holy Spirit, it's, it's challenged me in the way that people think about the Spirit of God in their life. For, for some of us, uh, the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit were very much evident in the church that we grew up in. They were very much at play, and, and, and some of us were a little weirded out by a few things and wondered, wait, is that really what it is? And, and, and then for others of us, we grew up in churches where Maybe the Holy Spirit was never even talked about, and, and spiritual gifts seem to be very vague, and, 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 and there seems to be, you know, even within the body of Christ, there's much disagreement in terms of how, how these gifts are to function and how they are to be used. And so with that, I think sometimes comes the tendency just to, to rather than try to truly understand it, we just kind of push ourselves away from it. But I want you this morning to think more importantly about what God, how God wants you to think about your life and what he's given you. You realize that God's given you a life. <laughs> you realize that? Turn to your neighbor, check, and make sure they're still breathing this morning, all right? God's given you a life. And, and the life that God's given you, as a follower of Christ, he's given you this gift. He's, he's given you this, just as much as you can think about Christmas morning, someone handing you a present and unwrapping that gift, and now thinking about how you're to use this thing that God's given, this thing that you've been given. The same is true in the body of Christ. God's given each one of us, as his children, a gift, and God wants you to unwrap it and open it, but he wants you to use it in service to him. 
That's why Paul begins this whole discussion by talking about presenting our body as a living sacrifice. You see, the Bible teaches very clearly that every follower of Christ has been given a gift. Turn to your neighbor this morning and tell him you've been gifted. You've been gifted. And the gift that you've been given has a practical function within the body of Christ. There is something that God wants you to use that gift in his body in a way to serve the church. Your spiritual gift is for the common good of the body. It is not, um, sometimes we're mixed up on this. Sometimes we think a spiritual gift is a talent. A spiritual gift is not a talent. A spiritual gift is not the fruit of the Spirit. What is a spiritual gift? I found this definition this week very helpful. I'll share it with you. One writer put it this way. A spiritual gift is a manifestation of God's spirit in the life of a believer that supernaturally empowers him or her to serve as a member of the body of Christ. A spiritual gift is a supernatural ability. It's supernatural. Will you say that with me? It's supernatural. You say it again? It's supernatural. It's not a natural ability. It's not a natural talent. Some people's spiritual gifts oftentimes seem to be merged or married to a natural talent, but, but it is not a natural ability. If it's a spiritual gift, it is something that is supernatural that empowers him or her to serve as a member of the body of Christ. In Greek, the word grace is the word charis. It's a grace gift. It's, it's where we get the word charismatic. It's a charismatic gift. It's a, it's a grace gift that has been given to the church. And God very much clearly this morning wants you, if you've never done this, to unwrap the gift that he's given so that you might use that grace gift to minister grace to somebody else in his body. We're going to see a few things about spiritual gifts this morning. If you're taking notes, it begins here. First, it begins with personal surrender. It begins with personal surrender. Look at verse 1 of chapter 12. Notice Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God. Paul is pleading with the church. On behalf of Christ, Paul is pleading. And if you're reading this for the first time this morning, you're understanding that that, that Paul, as he writes this letter to the church, he wants you so deeply to understand something. He he implores, he, he pleads with you. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ, by the mercies of God, by the mercies of God, Where was the mercy of God most clearly displayed? Where? On the cross of Christ. Because what does the cross of Christ say about each one of us? What does the cross of Christ say about each of us? Why was Jesus hanging on that cross? Because he loves us But couldn't he have shown his love to us in a whole other bunch of ways than dying? Why was he dying on a cross? Because of what? Because he was was paying the penalty of your sin and my sin. I don't know about you, but man, I sinned a lot this week. Anybody join me in that? Not not intentionally. Well, sometimes. Sometimes more than I, you know, you know what I mean? 
man, man, sometimes in your spiritual struggle, don't you just feel like sometimes you're just getting pulverized? Anybody feel like they got pummeled this week in their spiritual battle, you know? But every day of our life, man, we, we still struggle with our flesh. We learn that. And I don't, I'm not perfect in this life. But I'm a sinner that's been saved by grace. I'm a sinner who has been saved by grace. And thank the Lord I'm not who I once was. But man, I'm sure not really yet all that he wants me to be. And so there's this time in my life where I'm growing in grace. But Jesus Christ, he died on the cross for your sins and my sins. And Paul's saying, hey, look, in light of that great sacrifice, present your body as a living sacrifice. How? One that is holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual what? What's the next word? Paul's saying, hey, you want to know how you can worship God in your life? You want to know how you can worship the one who gave his all for you? Paul's really clear. He says it begins with a personal surrender. It begins by presenting your bodies to the Lord as a living sacrifice. And listen, can I just tell you, man, this is where it begins in terms of unlocking and understanding your spiritual gift. For all of us in this room, we have to come to the moment where we completely surrender ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes when I'm out visiting and I'm talking with people, sometimes people, you know, imply that they follow the Lord and they're really involved in in the church, and then you ask them a question, well, like, well, but where are you plugged in at? How are you serving? And they, 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 they can't answer that question. And, and it seems like oftentimes there's this great disconnect between, you know, saying that I am a follower of Christ, saying that I'm surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ, but when you, man, when you look at their life, like, there's, there's no meaningful commitment to Jesus at all. So those things have to be matched in our life. I, you and I both have to present ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ, there has to begin with a desire to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And, if, and, and, and that desire should be met with our commitment. Man, I think there are so many people in this life that have deceived themselves that they are, in fact, living for God. But then you look at their life and there is nothing in their life that would say otherwise. It really doesn't matter a lot what you and I say. It matters how we live. And God says, you want to know the acceptable and the holy and the right way to live for God? It's to live every day of our life personally surrendered to the Master. That life's not about me. It's not about my desires. It's not about my ambitions. But I'm going to live every day of my life in light of the one who gave his everything for me. My brother passing away a couple weeks ago really brought this home for me in a way that it, it hadn't yet. You know, I think much of us, we live our life trying to do the very next thing. <laughs> you know, we think, well, once I do this, then I'll. Once i there, then we will. Not many of us think about our life in terms of the end. And I've been asking myself the question recently, what do I want the end of my life to look like? What 
What kind of words do I want said at my funeral? The way I loved my wife and loved my daughter. What kind of impact do I want said about my life in this church? A lot of us live our life from our perspective, our vantage point of what's next, what we have to look forward to. But have you ever stopped and thought about your life from the end? Of what are you living for? And why are you pursuing those things if you're a follower of Christ? If you are, the one thing that matters at the end of your life is the day where you'll stand and give an account to the Lord Jesus Christ. And on that day, you will tell the master how well you stewarded everything in life that he gave you. Like, that matters a lot. But a lot of us don't think about that moment. We don't think about that moment often enough. And I think Paul here, I mean, if you know the Apostle Paul, man, he lived his life in light of that moment. I mean, how many times in the New Testament did Paul say, I'm looking forward to that day, that day, the day I will stand and give an account to the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, that vision of the end of his life so shaped the way that he ought to have lived his life in the present. And yet, so many of us, that's not even on our radar. Our life is all about next week and the vacation we're going on and the things this summer we want to achieve as a family. And man, all those things are fine and good, but they're so temporal in light of that moment. And Paul says, so in light of that, I appeal to you by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. It begins with personal surrender. I'm dying to myself and I'm living Christ's life through me and I'm looking forward to that moment in time that really, really matters. And I'm gonna let that shape the way I live my life and Paul's gonna keep going. It's gonna shape the way that I live and minister in the church of Jesus Christ. Notice at first it begins with personal surrender, but then secondly, it involves a proper attitude. Notice what Paul says in verse three, for by the, say the next word, say it louder, for by the what? Grace, Grace given to me, I say to who? Everyone. Turn to your neighbor and said, he said everyone. It's everyone, like you're not out of this equation. Paul says, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. What do we call that? To think more highly than you ought to think. Pride. You see, discovering your spiritual gift first begins by personal surrender. Secondly, it involves a proper attitude. Paul says we're not to think of ourselves more highly you see that in verse 3? Think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with what kind of judgment? Sober judgment. Paul says, hey, have a sober, a right look on your life. Paul wants them to understand how they are to think about their spiritual gift. And what Paul wants to understand is there's a few things in verse 3. Paul wants you to first understand that if you are given a you are given a spiritual gift first because of grace. It's nothing that you did to earn it. You didn't like make some discipleship level and you unlock spiritual gifting, <laughs> you know? Like you completed books 101 and 102. Oh, boom, now you get the prize. Like that's not what Paul's saying. You didn't achieve this. 
You didn't earn it. Whatever spiritual gift that God has given to you to play in his body was given to you by what? By grace. And because of that, none of us can think of ourselves. None of us should think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. But each, according to the measure of faith that God has, what's the next word? God has what? One more time, God has, he's assigned. Question, who gave you your gift? God did. God did. And he assigned it to you. And some of us, you know, the problem in 1 Corinthians, there were some in the church that were looking at the gifting of other people and they were all bent out of shape because they wanted what somebody else had. And you know what? You got a problem with that? Guess who you're going to take it up with? God. Take it up with God. Because he's the one who assigned the gift and he did it by his grace. And let me tell you this, the gifts that God gives, they're good. The gifts that God gives are good. Any of you ever got a bad gift? (laughs) Guys, your hand. Come on. Come on now. We've all gotten bad gifts. Hopefully, we're not a bad gift giver. But God's not a bad gift giver because he gives good gifts. He gives good gifts to his children. If I'm going to live my life in light of using my spiritual gift to bless his body, it begins with a personal surrender daily to the Lord Jesus Christ. It involves every day of my life living with a proper attitude, walking in a life of humility. Because why? Because whatever gift I have, God's given it to me. The Bible says in the end of verse 3, he has measured it out. Do you see that there? He has measured it out. With the measure of faith, and just last past week, Jessica made some rockin' chocolate chip cookies. Any of you like chocolate chip cookies? All right, the key to chocolate chip cookies is the right measurements. You know what I'm saying? Like, your cookies can go haywire really quickly if you don't have proper measurements. And, and those of you that bake and bake well, you know the secret to good baking is measuring everything out, right? Unless your measurement is like your hand, and then you just, you know, you got all this weird stuff going on. With the Bible saying, listen to me so clearly, God's saying that he has measured out his gift to you. I want you to think, I want you to really just think about this. The God of the universe who spoke this world into existence, that fashioned your life, that created you and all of your intricacies, loves you enough that he would die in your place so that you might know him. And then he wanted to show his love by giving you a gift. And whatever he's given you, it's exactly how much you ought to have. Like it's, it, it's the gift that God, God, didn't, God didn't screw up in the spiritual gifting, you know. He's given you what he's given you. And some of us... We don't have a proper attitude because some of us look at what God's given us and we say, look at what God gave me. And we're not thinking with sober judgment. We're living in pride. God turns away from a proud heart. And some of us are on the flip side of the equation. You know, we're like, man, God like dished out all the spiritual gifts, but he didn't give me anything, you know? 
Like, I got this little whatever. I, I, I'm, I can't, real, I can't, you know. Like, like, have you ever asked somebody, like, help service? Oh, I don't know. I've never been, I don't know how to do any of that. And we're undervaluing the gift that God's given us. Can I, can I just tell you something? God's given you a gift, and whatever gift he gave you is the right gift. And he actually gave you that gift because here's the whole point in spiritual gifts. That gift is not for you. Turn to your neighbor and tell them it's not for you. And then turn to your other neighbor and tell them it's not for you just in case they forgot. It's not for you. Because who is that gift for? Say it louder. Who's that gift for? That's for the body of Christ. It's for Jesus himself. Do you, are you, are, you, are you, you all connecting the dots with me? You know, like, you know how you like connect those little dots? You know, y'all, y'all doing that this morning? Do you see the connection here between Jesus giving everything to you so that he might give you a gift and he's saying, in your life, this is your stewardship. This is your spiritual stewardship. And when you use that gift, you're using it not to, you know, make Catawba some great church, not to impress a pastor, not to show people that, man, you're really serious about following Christ. Paul says, no, no, no. You're doing that gift because as you do that gift, that is your functional, spiritual worship. Paul says, this is your worship. Have you ever thought about your gift that way? Have you ever thought about your gift that way? And God's given all of us something. Notice the gifts that Paul describes. He talks about prophecy talks about teaching. When was the last time those of you that are Awana teachers ever thought that teaching on Wednesday night was a way in which you're offering worship to the Lord Jesus Christ? The gifts of ministry and service and health. Man, our church is overwhelmingly blessed with the gift of helps and ministry. There's been so much ministry happening this morning. There's ministry happening right now that you don't even see in other places, in other rooms. There's ministry happening. There's people that are giving themselves right now, running the video camera, running the sound system. People that gave themselves here this morning, serving, helping people in the door, greeting people. Yesterday, Rennie Bates was here till 9.30 at night, mowing the church grass, getting everything done up real nice, presentable for worship this morning. Well, he's just not mowing the grass. But that in of effect is an act of worship to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's giving of his gifts. There's been so much of that. This past week, I told you, I was by to see one of our shut-in families and in the conversation, the time together, they said this to me. They said, Aaron, you don't know how blessed we have been by the church. And they said, man, you got some deacons there that they just, they just don't do like they really do. And I said, man, I know. They're just giving of themselves, helping minister to the body. Look, if we ever think that we're doing something here at this place or we're serving the body of Christ for someone else's approval or someone else's recognition, man, you've blown it because the whole point of your spiritual worship is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's Paul saying, man, this is only reasonable. Like in light of everything that he's done for you, wouldn't you do one thing for his body? 
Why don't you bless his body with the gift that he gave you? Because, you know, I think about spiritual gifts. Some people look at these gifts and they think really rigid categories of giftedness. You know, they think, well, you just got the gift of prophecy and that's all you got. You might have the gift of mercy. And, you know, sometimes I think I've heard that explained and taught. But what I really think is those categories you see in the Bible are not so much rigid categories, like you have it or you don't have it, as much as it's like a color on God's, What's that thing? Thank you. On God's palette, and God has about eight or 12 dominant, can I even say dominant colors? I don't even know all you art people are going to fail me afterwards. But God, as he made you, as a spiritual new creation, he remade your life, and he did it with those colors. Some of us are more dominant in spiritual gifting in one ways than other ways, but it's all matters. It's, it's all valuable. Not one's more important than the rest. It's all, I mean, how, how else do we look at the portrait? And, 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 it, and it just speaks so deeply to our soul because of all these different colors on the canvas. It goes so far. And the same is true in our own life. It's, there, there's things this morning. You're, I'm preaching here this morning, so you're very well seeing my, my mouth moving and my brain as poorly as it's operating. All right, You can see that this morning. But, but you really don't see my pancreas working this morning, do you? Right? You just don't see it. But I'm telling you, if my pancreas wasn't working this morning, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. And I need all the parts working to do what needs to be done. And that's why more than anything else, God talked about the church. And when he talks about a church, he talks about a body. Because a body is not made up of one member, it's made up of everyone. And every part contributes to the whole. And when you're fulfilling the gift that God has given you, that is your spiritual Worship to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the world sees how profound the body of Christ is. The world sees how unified the body of Christ is. The world sees the love that is shown from that body because there's all of those parts collectively utilizing the gifting the supernatural ability that God has given them. So you say, Pastor, this is great, but how do I understand what my gift is? How many of you are there this morning? Moment of honesty, can I see your hand? Anybody like, that's great, Pastor, but I'm not really sure I know what mine is. Anybody? Come on, hold it up high. It's all right. No, it's good. Quite a bit of us. That's good. Well, how do we know? Let me give you four things. Jot these down very simply. The first is this. When you're thinking about your spiritual gift and the shared participation you have in the body of Christ, why don't you just first do this, realize, first realize. Realize what? Realize that God gave you a gift. <laughs> so you're, you're not asking the question this morning, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a born-again child of God, you should not be asking, I wonder if God gave me something. <clears throat> no, the thing you should be asking is, what has God given me? And realize that God has given you a spiritual gift. Secondly, if you have questions about it, why don't you ask the one that gave it to you? (laughs) 
How many of you have ever gotten something and you had to say to the person that gave it, wait, wait, what, wait, what is this? Anybody ever done that before? Hey, what is this? Maybe, secondly, you need to pray. Maybe you need to ask the one that gave it to you and just simply say, what seems kind of strange? Why did you give me that? And pray about it. And then thirdly, why don't you consider the answer and study it? There's a lot of places in the Bible that talk about spiritual gifts. There's a lot of great resources that expound upon those passages. Why don't you realize, pray, study, and then finally, why don't you use it? Why don't you use it? I'm pretty convinced that the greatest way to see the spiritual gift that God has given you is simply to serve his body. And find the thing that energizes you, the thing that people say blesses them, and pursue it, and pursue it. I was listening to a message this past week by Adrian Rogers, and he made this statement. He said, someone once asked him, hey, pastor, how many active members do you have? And he says, this is what he said. He said, they're all active. They're all active. They're all active either in building up the body or they're tearing it down. But they're all active. So what part are you going to play? What part will you play in Christ's body to bless it, to build it up, to strengthen it? Or I wonder, what are you doing that's tearing it down. You see, Jesus said, by this will all men know that you're my disciples. If you have what? If you have what? Love. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 was written after a section of spiritual gifts. <laughs> it wasn't written to be the wedding chapter of the Bible. All right? Uh, what Paul's trying to say is that in every way that we use our ministry Man, the one thing that should encapsulate all of it is a heart of love. Is a heart of love. Well, guess what? It's Christmas morning. You all have a gift. But will you open it up? And will you use it? And in using it, will you see the countless ways that God will use your life to impact his body? The choice is yours. Will you take it? Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you this morning that you are a gracious God that has given us good gifts. I pray, Lord, for every follower of Christ that is here this morning. We will live out a life of personal surrender. We will have a proper attitude of the gift that you've given, and Lord, we would in, use it in a way that shows the shared responsibility in the body of Christ. Lord, help us this morning. I pray for some that they're just really wrestling through what it is you've given them and how they're to use that. Lord, you would show them through prayer, through your word, through the encouragement and the, and the help of others that that, Lord, we'd identify what you've done in our life supernaturally and so that we're using that to bless your body. Lord, may we live our life in worship of you today. May we realize that there is 
something every day of our life that you require of us. And God, that, that, that most importantly, you'd be pleased with our life. And so I just pray, God, that we would live out lives of worship this week. And all that we do, that we would take and redeem every opportunity, realizing we don't know how much time we have until it's the end of our life. But Lord, we'd steward every moment well. And use these gifts that you've so graciously given to us. We pray it in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.